the big names you know, the other guys you've never heard of, until now. This is Around the Nest, Jay talking around the Blue Jays minor league system. Hello and welcome in. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler and it's time for another week of Around the Nest as we go Jay talking around the Toronto Blue Jays organization. Checking in from stop to stop around the ladder, affiliate to affiliate, see how things are going. And this week, well, we've got some news to discuss. Uh, Kevin Biggio getting the call up to the major leagues from the AAA Buffalo Bisons for one thing. For another thing, at the AA level, the New Hampshire Fisher Cats have been receiving outstanding starting pitching recently. It's been Hector Perez, it's been Jensi Diaz, and it's been especially Patrick Murphy who's put together three strong starts in a row. So we'll check in with Tiger Zickel and see how things are going in New Hampshire. At the A-advanced Dunedin level, boy, the Dunedin Blue Jays recently learned who their all-stars are. Graham Spraker, Brad Wilson, Cullen Large, Nick Allgaier will be representing the DJs at the Florida State League All-Star Game. Let's bring in the voice of the Dunedin Blue Jays and talk more about this. Jim Tarabokia, how are you? Hey, Jesse, what's going on, man? It's going well. All right, let's talk about your DJs. Let's begin with talking about the All-Stars. Which one do you want to begin with? Well, you mentioned Graham Spraker, 32nd round draft pick. I'd like to begin with him. And, and you know, for me, I, I, I have a thing for the, for the guys. Uh, it takes nothing away from the uh, first round guys, the high round draft pick guys. But I, I have a thing for guys who really um, come out of the draft later and sort of have that chip on their shoulder and succeed. I mean, Danny Young, uh, a guy who um, sort of fit that profile a couple of years ago where he was an extended spring and then uh, pitched so well that he was bumped up to double A within about two and a half months. So I think watching Graham and, and, and the way he's uh, conducted himself on the mound and uh, taking every role that's been um, given to him this year in stride, uh, I'm very happy to hear. And I think uh, he told Andrew uh, this today. I, I think uh, he, that, that this All-Star game is the first one that he is actually you know, going to, uh, I think he told Andrew this, um, ever in his life. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's a big moment for him. That's wild. What an honor. All right, so from Graham, uh, how about the right-hander Brad Wilson in your bullpen? Yeah, I mean, another guy who who's stepping up from the rookie level and um, is just um, pretty much taking on any role that's asked of him. Um, I think when you when you look at when you look at Brad um, and the offerings that he that he has, um, how strong he is, how durable he is, um, and how uh, he has been very reliable in the back end of the bullpen in the first half and. Um, has really contributed well to late game, high leverage situations um, and doing his job. Um, that, that's been very huge for us. Okay, we've talked Spraker, we've talked Wilson. How about the other pitcher, Nick mm-hmm. Allgaier? Yeah, former football player in his own right. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> he, he's been, um, you know, when you look at Nick, uh, to me, um, he doesn't throw that all that hard, obviously, as the radar gun would say, but um, he has so much movement on all of his pitches. Fastball has a lot of arm side run. It really jams up left-handed batters. Uh, the changeup has a ton of runs. Probably uh, his, if not his best sec- best secondary pitch, um, that it just his best offering overall. And then he mixes in that curveball, that slow curve, and the slider. 
And I, I think the, the main thing with him is just being a little bit more consistent um, when he is not on. I mean, last night he wasn't particularly on, and um, he, he didn't have as much success, and he wasn't able to truly barrel through without giving up any more and limiting the damage. Now, I don't want to, I want to preface that by also saying that when Nick Algeyer has been out there and he has been on, he's been brilliant. So he's setting a high bar for himself. Like last weekend in Lakeland, he gave up one earned run over six innings. I think he gave up about four hits. He was brilliant again. You know, and that's what I'm ta- so that's what I'm talking about where he sets the bar pretty high for himself and you can kind of see the difference when he's on and he isn't on. But when he is on, uh, everything's clicking on all cylinders. And he's been on uh, more times than he's actually been off this year. And, um, you know, he's giving you that reliable piece every fifth day um, and giving his team a chance to win. Mm. And lastly, how about Mr. Big Stuff, Cullen Large? Yeah, uh, I, I'm writing a story for our um, our, our Blue Jays um, player spotlight installations, our first installation of that this year. And talking about his his um, road to recovery and his road back from injury, and uh, it's a great story. I mean, here's a guy who had success in Lansing with you last year, uh, and then struggled um, to stay on the field because of injury, and then he was out for the year. And um, diving into what he was doing with his rehab, and and I don't want to give too much of the story away, but um, diving into the rehab, not watching much baseball, um, kind of staying away from the game after he got his work done at the complex. Um, has benefited him and um, you know, with what he's done defensively this year, moving positions, moving to third base, getting on base. I mean, the guy just finds his way on base, whether it's a fielder's choice or whether it's a walk or whether it's a hit. Um, he's got he had a pair of hitting streaks this year of seven games plus. Um, it, it's really been a lot of fun to watch, and um, uh, he's one of those – it seems like we have that every year, doesn't it? Every affiliate, you have that one guy who, who surprises you a bit. Uh, Alberto Maneo was that guy last year. Um, 2017 was a little bit of Connor Panis. Um, you know, you, you get those those guys year in and year out, uh, and he's kind of been that guy this year uh, that that has surprised uh, not just me, but I think a lot of people with his success at the plate, um, but also his ability um, to change positions, um, change tinker with things defensively um, on the fundamental side, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. Jim, any final thoughts beyond your All-Stars before we turn our attention up the ladder? Yeah, well, you know what? I, I, looking at this, this upcoming schedule here, we've got the Fire Frogs tonight, tomorrow, Sunday, off day Monday, um, and uh, three games against Tampa. Never easy. Um, at Jack Russell Memorial Stadium, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then we take on Clearwater uh, for three games next weekend. I mean, that's a pretty tough stretch. And um, I, I think the mark of this team, no matter who we have at the end of the year or not, but the market this team that we have right now uh, is very high character and very high quality. And I say that because um, last Sunday we had a doubleheader against Lakeland. On Monday in St. Lucie, after a long bus, drop, bus ride, we had a doubleheader against the Mets. And then we had a 6.30 game last Tuesday against the Mets. And then a 10.30 in the morning game. So that right there, um, looking at it, let's see here, uh, two, four, six games in four days, including a morning start. And we went four and three, um, or I'm sorry, three, four and two, my mistake, four and two. Uh, that should tell you all you need to know right there. Uh, um, no, I was right. I was actually right. I was, it's uh, four and three. 
uh, we're let's just say we're over 500. I know that for a fact. We were over 500, and to be over 500 in a stretch like that at that time uh, is very impressive. And I told that to our to our coaches, and uh, I told that to a couple of other people as well. And and uh, another gutsy win last night home when we fell behind Florida and we ended up winning eight to five. So um, this team, despite all of the uh, um, the, the goings on with the new ballpark and and all the barriers that have been put in front of this club, uh, they have barreled through and, and uh, they've really shown their character this year. Um, standings are still tight in the first half. Um, Daytona continues to win. They've got a good ball club as well. But um, as we, we approach the end of the race, which in the Florida State League this year at the All-Star break, it's uh, 70, uh, seven, that's when the 70-game mark is reached. So we'll find out the division winner before the All-Star break. Um, this team could be on their way um, with the stretch that they've been on here. Um, and they've been a very resilient pack in 2019. Beautiful. Jim, thank you very much. Really appreciate your insights. Thanks, Jesse. Have a good one, buddy. All right. Jim Tarabokia with the Dunedin Blue Jays. Now up the ladder we go, as promised, to join the AAA voice of the Buffalo Bisons, Pat Malacaro. Pat, how are you? I'm great, Jesse. If I had the schedule that Jim had, uh, was it this past week or, or recently, I, I think I might still be sleeping right now. But uh, things are good here as uh, the Bisons get set to take on Lehigh Valley. Yeah, just remarkable what the DJs have had to go through. Uh, with your team, I think that the headline is, the Cavan is leaving you. He's going up to the major leagues. So what are the Blue Jays going to receive when they get Cavan Biggio? Well, you know, it was a, it was a fun scene in the clubhouse post-game yesterday when, when Kevin got the news that he was going to uh, Toronto to meet the team tonight. I, I see that he's in the starting lineup uh, batting eighth and at second base. Look, they're going to get a, a player that you've seen, everyone has seen up the ladder uh, throughout his time. He may not be the one who gets all the headlines. He may not show off all the flash, but at 24 years old, he is a, a very mature player having gone through college for three years. And wherever he is on the diamond, whether it be at second base where he had 22 of his 42 starts with us this season uh, in Buffalo, or if it's in left field at some point with the experiment of playing the outfield a little bit, uh, now that the Blue Jays are really only down to two true outfielders, uh, they're going to get a player who is going to go about his business. You'll probably not notice him throughout the course of a game, but kind of like an offensive lineman in football. That's a good thing. He's just going to make the plays. He makes them look routine, and he's going to give you – uh, his best effort every day. So, unfortunately, Bison fans, for the time being, uh, however long it is, hopefully it's the rest of this season, the rest of his career, uh, won't see Kevin Biggio in a Bison uniform, but uh, definitely it was a fun 42 games here for the first almost two months of the season. You just had a fun game, and I'm looking at the start by Sean Reed Foley. Eight innings, eight strikeouts, only two runs allowed. He's been a player who's battled his command throughout his young tenure. What did you see from Sean Reed Foley that night? Yeah, he avoided the big inning, and that's, that's the important thing. And yesterday was not an easy assignment for Sean Reed Foley. It was scheduled to be an 11.05 start in Rochester, but with it being a kid's day and Buffalo was only going to Lehigh Valley, Rochester was staying home, there was a threat of inclement weather. It didn't roll through Rochester, New York, until probably 1 o'clock. So the game got started at 2.05, three hours late. That's very rare. You know, we'll see that in the big leagues, but very rare for minor league baseball that you have a three-hour delay. Uh, and I saw Sean in the clubhouse at one point. He was still in full uniform uh, about an hour or so into the delay. 
and that can't be easy. He did not start his throwing routine, so that's that's good news. But to sit around for three hours knowing you're probably going to throw at some point today and then to go out, throw eight innings, avoid the big inning, and really look like the Sean Reed Foley that pitched the majority of last season with the herd, uh, I, I don't think that should go unnoticed either. Well, Sean Reed Foley, eight innings, Kevin Biggio going up. There's all sorts of good things going on. Let me ask you a question close to, uh, on Bluebird Banter, a question that I didn't get to with Jim because I was worried oh, we're running long. I'm, I don't want Pat to wait all that much longer. The question I think is a really good one, and it's simply this. Which player who's struggling for you right now is a player that you hope to see, you want to see him break out of this slump? Well, we, we've had such roster turnover lately. Uh, Socrates Brito has only been here for a handful of games, but uh, he paid immediate dividends in his first game with a base hit and an RBI, but uh, since then has not um, looked comfortable much at the plate. And um, for a player who was acquired just after the start of the season this year, you know, spent up until last week in the big leagues, uh, he's probably the one that's struggling right now. Uh, a guy like Reese McGuire was struggling to start the season, but uh, has started to come around. Uh, Jordan Patterson at times, a veteran, is, has struggled, and he shows signs of coming out of it. Uh, he's in a little bit of a slump right now. So there isn't anybody really that's been in an elongated slump, but there have been a couple of guys like Brito or Jordan Patterson that right now are struggling. And for Patterson, he's going to move up to the cleanup spot. So he's going to get maybe a few more at-bats than he had been towards the bottom third of the Bison's order. And maybe that's uh, the impetus for him to get things going with a few more ABs over the next couple of games. All right. We shall see. I'm looking at your schedule right now. The very next homestand, what is promoted? The Syracuse Mets with Tim Tebow. Do you ever remember Buffalo promoting, hey, come see the Bisons against a visiting player in all of the years that you've seen Buffalo? Yes, but it's only because it's a former Cy Young winner. David Price pitched against Buffalo in 2017, I want to say, and we know it. We actually, uh, I was with Ben Wagner on a road trip here in Lehigh Valley, and the Red Sox had announced about five days before his start that he would be starting in Buffalo. So we had an opportunity to sort of build up uh, the press and the expectations. And it just, it just so happened to be that David Price started. Pablo Sandoval was on a rehab assignment before uh, going back to San Francisco. He was still with the Red Sox organization. So there was a lot of pomp and circumstance. And there was a big media presence uh, in Buffalo. But, you know, that was for a guy who was already a Cy Young winner, uh, had, had been with the Blue Jays just two seasons prior. So there was – it was a, a big deal. It was a big deal that he pitched uh, for then the, the Pawtucket Red Sox against Buffalo that night, and Buffalo actually um, played very well against him, and it was a very short rehab start. But uh, that's really uh, about the only time that you'll see a visiting player really get uh, promoted to that level. Let me ask you about one more player before I say goodbye. The left-hander Kirby Sneed was really fun to have with the Lugnuts, and he was sent to us right after getting drafted in, I believe, the 10th round out of the University of Florida. He's putting up good stuff right now for the Bisons. What have you seen from Kirby? He's one of the guys that's throwing strikes right now, and I don't say that flippantly, but uh, the conversation this year has been about the new baseballs that have been used. And if folks don't know what I'm talking about, here in AAA, they're now using the exact same baseball as is in the big leagues. And that's a change from forever. Um, it used to be the minor, standard minor league baseball was used all the way throughout the minors. And then once you got to the big leagues, it was a different baseball, constructed a little bit different, handmade instead of mass produced. Well, now we're seeing pitchers try and figure it out 
on the fly using these new baseballs because the seams are tighter. They're a little bit smaller. It's the baseball feels to be tightly, more tightly wound. So guys have had a real struggle when they throw the ball over the plate. It's been getting hit a lot more, and not only hit, but hit for home runs. So I definitely have seen pitchers be hesitant throwing the baseball over the plate. But for Kirby, he's come out. Uh, you know, he's had good stuff from the left side. His velocity is good. Uh, his stuff is good, and he has not been afraid to throw strikes. And one thing you notice is when guys throw strikes, uh, they let their position players uh, do the job behind them. And sure, it's going to get hit at times, but with the caliber of pitchers that, that you see here at AAA, more often than not, you're going to get out. And that's one thing Kirby Sneed has done. Uh, you know, with the addition of Buddy Boshears, uh, a veteran left-hander, it was basically between Taylor Saucedo and Kirby Sneed, one of the two was going to stay. Uh, not that Taylor Saucedo pitched poorly, but uh, for right now, in just the straight relief capacity, Kirby Sneed is probably one of the best relievers in the Bison's bullpen. On Twitter, at PatWGR. Pat, love the inside and outlook that you bring. Thank you very much for joining the show again this week. Happy Memorial Day weekend, Jesse. We'll talk to you next Friday. All right, the voice of the herd. And now let's go down to double A. Let me bring in the Zick, Tyler Zickel with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Tyler, how's it going? Jesse, it is going superbly here in New Hampshire, just coming off a three-game sweep of the Altoona Curve in which the pitching staff was near lights out, as I'm sure we'll get into in just a moment. And I'm here joined by Tyler Murray in body and in spirit, but not in voice. We're sharing an office, and right now he's recovering from a cold with a couple of tissues up his nose, getting ready for a broadcast tonight. So in some respects, I am a relief pitcher for him today in what would normally be a Tyler Murray around the nest, but it's Zick. Wait, hold on. You mean to tell me that Tyler is going with the tissue walrus right now? Oh, tissue walrus uh, would look so great in the Manchester, New Hampshire Zoo. He has got the look going on, and no mustache to speak of yet, but give him a couple of days. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about a helicopter ride. Was that your very first time in a helicopter? In a professional capacity, yes, and flying over a place that I live and enact my daily life, if you will, yes. But I did get to take with my family. I was blessed to be able to go on a cruise to Alaska and flew over a glacier and flew to said glacier and then drank some pure glacier water. But that was 12 years ago. So to be able to do that this time around, and especially in a baseball setting, to land at the ballpark, you got to be kidding me. I was like a kid, truly, uh, yesterday, living it up. How are you going to top it? Uh, that's a great question. I haven't even given a thought to what's going to be next for Zick in terms of entering the ballpark or maybe leaving. Who knows? Maybe skydiving into the yard on opening day 2020 is in play. (laughs) Oh, man. Now that you've uh, helicoptered your way in, everything is on the table. With your New Hampshire Fisher Cats, the headlines, it seems to me, is your starting pitching. It's been Patrick Murphy. It's been Hector Perez. It's been Jensi Diaz. It's been all those guys along the way. It has been fabulous to watch what the starters are doing. Is it true with you being on the inside? Has the starting pitching been the number one story? 
that has definitely been the thing that has been making this recent stretch of success for the Fisher Cats in May really motor. And I've spoken with Vince Horseman, our pitching coach, and he has said that he feels in his four seasons here in New Hampshire, this is his best pitching staff that he's had a chance to work with, and especially the starters. Of course, we mentioned Patrick Murphy. You know what you're going to get with Murph. And after a relatively slow start by his standards to the year, he has been so consistent working late into games. He only, went only and I say only, of course, semi-sarcastically, went six innings his last start uh, yesterday to get the win, but struck out seven, and then struck out a career-high 10 on May 15th against Reading and has gone six innings or more in his last five starts. So for Murph to be as consistent at the top of the rotation and having to adjust his delivery just a bit after some new rules have come down, that's certainly something that he has done quite well. And for Zach Logue, a guy that we would not mention just now who's going tonight, he is an opportunity every fifth day to get six innings, and he'll scatter some hits, he'll make sure he gets outs when he needs to, and that's certainly a guy that we've been able to rely on every fifth day. But as you mentioned, Yancey Diaz and Hector Perez, two guys who at the start of the season were inconsistent. Yancey was electric one start, then not so great the next start. And that would go back and forth for the first four times around. But of late, he has been near unhittable. Back-to-back seven-inning appearances in which he shut out the opponent, including a game one of a doubleheader against Reading that first shut out a complete game. And he has been almost like the pitcher that I think everybody maybe thought was there but didn't necessarily expect this year. And then with Hector in his first full season in the Blue Jays system, a very shaky start by all accounts. But for him to pick up his pace in the last three, four starts and start to work into those later innings, in fact, he's gone six innings in three of his last four. That's something that we're looking forward to continue for Hector. That's right. Take a back seat, Nate Pearson. There are other starting pitchers to talk about. What was that about Patrick Murphy having to change his mechanics because of a rule. I I still am trying to figure out the exact specifics of it all, but there was a conversation in Hartford between Vince Horseman and Patrick Murphy during batting practice as uh, there was a – decision made that he needs to make sure that he is uh, continuing himself to the plate in a more fluid motion. We all know Patrick Murphy has a very unique uh, delivery to the dish, and I think that certainly is what part of, part of what his success has been, not just this year, but in years past. Deception very much a part of his game. And then he's got this stuff once he releases the ball. Uh, but in this most recent start, and I wish Tyler Murray was on the air with us to be able to share more specifically because he watched it happen pitch by pitch, but this was his most recent start after that conversation, and things went as well well as they have gone prior to said conversation. So while I don't have too many specifics to share, it seems as though Murph has taken this in stride. From Bluebird Banter, please tell me more about Vinnie Capra, quote, unquote. The plate discipline is really good so far. Does he have any raw power at all? How is his defense? Is he actually someone I should be getting excited about, writes Eric T. So, Zick, is Vinnie Capra someone that Eric T. should be getting excited about? I think Eric would certainly be all right getting a little excited and not having to worry about being disappointed because Vinnie Capra has indeed been the surprise of the season thus far. This time last year, he was still in college or, you know, right around finishing up his collegiate career at the University of Richmond. The Blue Jays took him in the 20th round last year. He began the season with us and no problem, just wrapped out a seven-game hitting streak to start his double-A career. And the few times he's gone hitless or not gone on the bases, what I've been most impressed with is his next-day ability, if you will. He 
gets those opportunities either at the top or the bottom of the lineup, and he doesn't let a previous performance get in the way of what he's doing that day. This is something he said to me where, hey, Zick, it's a new day when I asked him about an 0 for 5 uh, when we were in Hartford, and he got two hits the next afternoon. So for him to be able to be that steady bat at the top and the bottom of the order and a guy who's going to get on base and is in the conversation for league lead in steals, Lots to be excited about, and certainly one of those guys coming in, you didn't necessarily expect to have the season that he's had thus far, but with one home run, six doubles, a triple, and 14 RBI, as I read off of his MILB.com player page, that's production right there. All right, let's stick with Bluebird banter. Question from the minor leaguer. Would you drink out of the Plymouth Rock Cup if the Fisher Cats pull off a miracle against the Yard Goats the next eight games? Who's to say I have not previously taken took a sip or three out of the Plymouth Rock Assurance Cup? <laughs> well, I'll say this, Jesse. Yes, not the best record against Hartford this year as we welcome the Yard Goats to Northeast Delta Dental Stadium for their last visit of the season. They've already been here three times, and over 33% of New Hampshire's games have come against the Rockies affiliate through the season's first 40-plus contests. So certainly going to be glad to see some other opponents on the other side after this weekend against Hartford. But if the Cats can go 8-0 and against the Yard Goats over their next eight games, they will win their third consecutive Plymouth Rock Assurance Cup. But in the spirit of sharing, I wouldn't be completely upset if Hartford is the one to raise the cup this year, knowing that we'd have something to play for next year after pretty much walking all over them last year at their own place going 11-0 in downtown Hartford. So the baseball gods giveth and the baseball gods taketh away. I love the idea, because of minor league baseball, because of your location, it's dredging up the ancient bad blood that exists between the Toronto Blue Jays and the Colorado Rockies. Respect. <laughs> Indeed. Zick, finally, uh, the great question about who's a struggling player right now for your Fisher Cats? Do you really want to see them snap out? You know, that's a great question. I think not a guy who's struggling, but a guy whose production has dipped since we last spoke would be Santiago Espinal, who still is providing plenty of production in the top third of the order, whether it's getting a hit when needed, even though if that's part of a one-for-four or one-for-five performance that night. He's coming up in a situation, I think, of a game in Hartford over this last weekend before we started a homestand, and he had been struggling a bit. In fact, he was over 11 in the series and then was able to slap a two-out RBI single through the right side to give the Cats the lead. They'd go on to lose that game, but for Espinal to be able to come through in the clutch, even if the overall numbers are taking a slight hit, despite the fact that he's still one of our offensive leaders on the year, just looking forward to Santiago to you know, pick up where he left off almost. And also with this promotion of Cabin Vigio, perhaps that lights a fire in his mind, seeing how the movement's happening in the system. And while he's, I would doubt, a shot to get called up to the big leagues this year, crazier things have happened. Beautiful. Tyler Zickel, thank you very much. Love you joining the show. Jesse, thanks as always. Talk to you from Altoona, Pennsylvania next week. But for now, cheers to the cats taking on the goats and, of course, to Around the Nest. And get some chicken soup for Tyler Murray, okay? I will indeed. I'll send him your best regards. The helicopter man, Tyler Zickel in Double A, New Hampshire. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, and this is Around the Nest. Jay talking our way around the minor league organization. Big thanks, as always, to Hayden Godfrey, to the minor leaguer, to Bluebird Banter. Well, let's talk some Lansing Lugnuts. No Adam Jackson today. He's off on assignment. So you get me trying to give you whatever I can when it comes to Lansing Lugnuts questions. So here we go from Bluebird Banter. How are guys like Luis de los Santos, Gabriel Moreno, and Hunter Steinmetz finding things, joining the club after six or seven weeks? 
the first thing is about adding guys from extended spring training. That's different, it seems to me, when you add guys, let's say, from AA to AAA or A advanced to AA or when uh, short season leagues start up. And so you start seeing guys get shuttled from Vancouver to Lansing or Bluefield to Vancouver. There's a different feel. If you're coming from extended spring training, those guys are ready to go. And they've been playing extended spring training games. They've been playing regular baseball, but it's not the same. And they are just so excited to get that assignment. Now, some of these players, like Luis De Los Santos, Anders Steinmetz, they did get that taste of A advanced Dunedin. And now they were sent to us. They understood it was just a taste. They understood that they were not going to be a DJ this year. But it does come with a great feeling of, hey, go to Lansing, play regularly. Here's your chance in a clubhouse that's away from Florida. And these guys have embraced it. Steinmetz is a uh, team-first kind of guy. De Los Santos is a team-first kind of guy. Gabriel Moreno, and the first word that everybody uses to describe him is young. He's a 2000 baby. He's age 19, but he has fit right into the clubhouse dynamic. And all three of those guys bring positivity and energy. They're ready to go. And you've seen that on their on-field productivity so far. They're all swinging the bats well. Steinmetz right now is hitting 304, limited time. De Los Santos 368 limited time, Moreno 364 limited time. But at the very least, you love the fact that they've come in here and they're playing well offensively and defensively. Uh, for each of them, Steinmetz is a base dealer, uh, defensive outfielder in terms of he makes diving catches. When he gets up there to home plate, it's real nice that he already has four doubles, but he's a grinder type. He's five feet, eight inches tall. He's up there to make the pitcher's life tough. He's up there to grind out at bats to be a tough out and to see what extra bases he can take or what extra bases he can take away defensively. He was an 11th round draftee out of Missouri State University. He prides himself on being an overachiever. Luis De Los Santos, a log nut back in 2017, I believe was slated to play at Vancouver. And now because Jordan Groshans is on the shelf with an injury, Jordan did say on Instagram, he posted, I'll be back or something of that nature. So he'll be back. But we've got De Los Santos until then. And Luis right now is playing third base without a Lopez at regular shortstop. Uh, Luis defensively has a rocket of an arm. His teammates all remembered him from Bluefield last year. Very few mistakes. At the plate, we've seen him swing it. And we've seen some uh, speed when he gets it going. He's the sort of guy who builds up terrific speed. His first step has not been as quick. Uh, but He's been fun to put down there at the bottom part of the order and let him go. And look, Gabriel Moreno, everybody raves about. He's a very young catcher. He's got a lot of learning to do. But my goodness, is it fun to watch him hit. The bat is quick. At the plate, defensively, he's a fun receiver to watch. The ball has not escaped him very much so far, and he's eager to show off the arm. He has tried back picks more than any other Lugnuts catcher than we have seen so far to this point. Uh, so... The, that trio coming in here, that's been an enormous boost. That question of which struggling lug nut uh, I'd like to see break out, Reggie Pruitt hasn't exactly been the same kind of impactful Reggie that he was in April. When he gets it going, like he did two days ago with his three steals and his three runs scored, it's clear he has as much talent as any other leadoff hitter in this league. You just need to get Reggie Pruitt on base. That's the constant struggle. Uh, and then two other guys I'll throw at you, just in terms of hitting. The Gregory Contreras and Hagen Danner. 
Contreras is having better plate appearances, though his batting average is still at 213. But I like the way that he's been grinding things out a bit, and he's shown off great power. He's a really fun guy, and he's working very hard. And Hagen Danner, too. If Danner has better plate appearances, which yesterday we saw him go 0 for 1, but for Hagen, there was a walk, there was a sack fly, uh, there were no strikeouts. That's the big key, becoming more selective at home plate, because when he hits it, he hits it with great power. So if Haken Danner turns it on over the course of the summer, if McGregory Contreras turns it on, this Lugnuts offense takes on another dimension, and they have scored at least six runs now every single game since Saturday. That's now five consecutive games. So that's just looking on the hitting side. On the pitching side, I think that we're seeing Fitz Stadler taking the next step upward. And Kobe Johnson has little by little been getting better and better. Everything that I've heard from the folks here has been the Lugnuts are a second-half team. This is a team to really watch out for in the second half. So guys will likely be moving on, right? Uh, Josh Winkowski, at some point, you figure, if he keeps on throwing these gems, five quality starts, uh, Dunedin might need a starting pitcher at some point. Send Wink up. He's been great. Out of the bullpen, we understand Jackson Reese has been tremendous. Love seeing Cree Finfrock, another guy who's come in from extended spring training, is attacking with his fastball. As that velocity up to 97, um, that back end of the bullpen, uh, Rakowski, Sean Rakowski has been very good. But then other pitchers, other starters, other relievers, there are steps that they can take forward to bring this team forward. That record of 19 and 26, well, there are places that they can move upward and onward with just the guys that they have right now. That would make for a very compelling couple of months onward from here. Now, as far as the Lansing Lugnuts themselves. You know that I love to finish the show with a, a conversation, with an interview. The guy that I've got for you this week is Reggie Pruitt. Reggie Pruitt is in his second year in the Lansing Lugnuts, with the Lugnuts. He was drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays in the 24th round back in 2015. And nearly immediately, he was a Baseball America top 30 Blue Jays prospect. The Blue Jays signed him away from a commitment to Vanderbilt. Very smart guy outgoing guy, fun to be around, and just interesting to watch him ply his trade. I sat down with him, and I asked him between last year and this year what he's working on. Here's a little bit more from Reggie Pruitt. This is Jesse Goldberg Strassler, joined by Lugnuts outfielder Reggie Pruitt. Reggie, after last year, what did you do with your offseason? Um, really just took a lot of time to, like, probably about the first month or two of the offseason. Um, just decompressed a little bit, took a lot of time off. Visited friends, took a couple of trips, and then uh, after that two months, I kind of really hunkered down and got down to work, especially with my hitting, because that's really what I needed to work on. And uh, yeah, I really did. I did a lot more talking this off season with guys that were successful and and uh, things like that than actually doing. So I feel like that is probably what was different than all my other off seasons. Instead of just going right into it, I talked to guys that have been successful, guys that have been there, guys that play at higher higher levels or high levels and uh i feel like i really i feel like i really took the best out of that and brought it into this year which guys um just guys that i mean i work out with a, with charlie blackman for one and uh a bunch of guys michael chavis daz cameron a lot of guys that are in triple a double a carter Keyboom, a lot of guys those guys are in the big leagues right now and they're my age we played together growing up so to be able to talk to those guys was actually really cool because there's not much of an age difference between us so we, we we know what goes on in each other's lives we know like 
how hard it is to play this game and be a certain age or be a younger guy. So uh, I feel like that actually that actually did a lot of did, did a lot of help for me this season. What did they tell you that maybe set off a light bulb? Just m- most guys. I mean, the the overall theme was just let the game come to you. You really can't go to the game. You can't rush things. You can't make things happen. You can't make things happen. You have to let the game come to you. And uh, the overall theme of kind of slow the game down really probably helped me this year. And uh, and it'll help me throughout my career because I know as soon as you step into the lines, it seems to speed up on you a little bit. So you got to find a way to uh, definitely slow the game down. You mentioned the trips that you took. Where did you go? Um, I took a couple trips to Texas, actually. Went to Austin, Texas to visit uh, Casey Clemens. Went to Dallas, Texas to visit uh, Matt Young, our hitting coach last year. And then uh, we were going to do a Vegas trip, but that never fell through. So, uh, But, no, those trips were definitely needed. And various trips across Georgia, whether it was Athens, Georgia, or right by my home, uh, Kennesaw State, visiting some guys that I know that play there. Did this spring training feel a lot different than last year? Yeah, it definitely did. Um, I don't know. I came in feeling strong. I came in feeling a lot more confident than I usually have been. And I feel like that definitely played out well. Um but no, this spring training was just, it did feel different because one, I was confident. One, I came in knowing what I had to do to be successful, and I never really had that before. So it, it was definitely very different. At what point did you start wearing glasses? Um, I think it was here to start the year, the first series here. I was, I got fitted for them back in spring training when they do our vision tests and everything. And the guy said, um, you may would you consider wearing glasses or contacts? And I never really liked contacts, having to stick it in your eye and stuff like that. So um, I chose the glasses route, and I've loved them ever since. Um, I wouldn't say it helps me see the ball, not like having an eagle eye or anything, but it definitely makes things a little bit brighter when you're out there playing and a little bit easier to see. So I feel like it's definitely helped me out a little bit. Did you talk to a Casey? Because he was one of the first guys I saw wearing glasses last year. Yeah, I mean, I had conversations with Casey about it, and I've tried his on, and... It wasn't until spring training this year where I was like, all right, I'm going to try and get these. And uh, if they work, they work. If they don't, then I'll just go back to not wearing glasses anymore. You talked about working with Matty Young in the offseason. How is it different working for, with Logan Bone this year than Matt last year? Um, they're, not, they're, they, they're similar in a lot of ways. They're both really cool guys. They're both cool to hang around outside of the field as well. And they're both like good people, pers- pe- people persons, that's how you say it. But... Uh, you can get along with them. They appeal to you. They know how to be a coach when they're supposed to be a coach and just be a guy to hang out with or a person that you're going to hang around with and just talk to when you need that, too. So um, it's not much different at all. I mean, he's still he's in the same category as Matt. He's a hitting coach. I, I listen to him. I talk to him. And we go about uh, just getting our work in every single day. Speaking with Reggie Pruitt, was the cold easier to battle this time around than last year? I wouldn't say easier. It was I was probably ready for it more, but uh, I don't know about easier. I was definitely more prepared for it than last year. Last year was cold, and everybody said it, it usually isn't that bad. So, um, But this year, I feel like it was pretty brutal as well, so I was just more prepared for it this year. Have there been different challenges in your path this year compared to last year? Yeah. I mean, last year I was injured a lot, so that didn't really help. Um, this year, um, nose looks Lord. good. Yeah, yeah. This year, Lord willing, I'm still healthy and I continue to play out the rest of this year healthy. And uh, but yeah, the injuries were definitely a huge thing last year, and kind of just rushing back from those and and uh, trying to play my best when 
And that, that's, that's where it goes into me going to the game instead of slowing it down, letting the game come to me. And now that I'm healthy, or I have been healthy, um, I'm kind of just learning how to slow the game down more and more every day. The easiest thing for me to notice with you at the plate is how low you're holding your hands this year. What mechanical changes did you make? Um, yeah, so I usually, I originally had a high hand load, I guess you'd say, before. and But it would go into when I would take my stride, my hands would be dropping. So on that trip to Dallas with Matty Young, I actually, we did we did a bunch of hitting for like a week or so. And uh, he was like, try this one day. And he said, start your hands low, and then when you stride, bring them up. And it was kind of the reverse, like a lever just reversed it. So when I stride now, my hands go up, and they're in a hitting position. As before, when I was striding and my hands were going down, I wasn't really able to put a, put a powerful swing on the ball. I get to see the what. I get to ask you the why. You started this year, there were a lot of strikeouts. Those have been cut down. Why? Um, I mean, it's just going throughout the year maybe I feel like at the beginning I was trying to do a little bit too much maybe had a little put a little bit too much pressure on myself but uh I mean in various drills that we do in the cage me and Logan together though there are also drills that help for that as well and I noticed a lot of the strikeouts in the beginning were on fastballs high I wasn't really chasing like I was in the past on off speed in the dirt so which is good that was a plus so that gave me a little confidence now it was time to figure out a way to lay off the fastball high because that is a good pitch to hit. It looks good to everybody. And sometimes it's a little bit too high to swing at and, and uh, put a good swing on it. So um, through various drills in the cage, we uh, I've definitely uh, got away from that a lot, a lot, a lot. It's been a lot about hitting. Let's talk base stealing. Last year, 37 steals. This year, how are you feeling on the bases? I'm feeling good. Um, sometimes I'm a little bit too antsy out there. I probably got picked off more this year than I have in my whole career, but uh, uh, I feel good out there. I feel that, I mean, that's a game, that's a part of the game that I'm really confident in. So I know even if I do get thrown out, I'm going to strap it back on. If I get on base my next at bat, I'm still looking to run. So uh, it's, a lot, it's a lot easier out there because that's a part of my game that I'm very confident in. Picked off, but then you steal second. There was a game where you were picked off twice at first base, still stole second. We just saw a game where you were picked off at second, you stole third without issue. So what do you take away from these? I mean, that's, that, that's they're definitely confidence boosters, and it goes to show that I've been doing it right. Um, I may not always guess right on when the pitcher's going to go home, but uh, I feel like when I get good preparation in my jumps, which me and Dave Pano work on all the time, it uh, definitely leads to success on the field. Defensively, you made a catch in Bowling Green that was one of the best that I've seen. But I heard about your catches in Vancouver. Where did that catch in Bowling Green rank for you personally? I feel like that one, not not to be arrogant or anything, but it would probably be lower on the spectrum. I feel like I kind of like the ones more uh, going back towards the track or the wall or whatever. And, uh, but, no, that was still a good one. I really, I'm really just out there just trying to make plays for our pitchers, to be honest with you. Because um, I know those guys don't want guys on base from dink hits, balls hit softly into the outfield. So, um Laying out is, is something that I really take pride in because I know those guys really appreciate it when they're on the mound. Are you a better outfielder this year than last year? Um, probably so. I had a couple complications with the wall last year, and that guy, he never moves out there. So um, I've done a better job of knowing where I'm at on the field and positioning myself and having a better pre-pitch and first pitch step, I mean first step after the ball's hit. So uh feel like I'm definitely a little bit better this year. And finally, how is this clubhouse, how is this group of guys different from last year? 
It's a uh, this group of guys. They're they're hilarious, man. There's never a dull moment with this group of guys. There's always something funny being said, something funny being done, and uh, we may not be as older or as old as the guys last year, um, but uh, we definitely have that that good competitive youth. Um, we come out here and we want to have fun every day and win, lose or draw. If you're not having fun, you're not really you really don't want to be out here at all. So that that fun that uh that uh the competitive nature mixed in with that fun it uh really makes it cool to be out here with these guys every day. Thank you very much, Reggie. No problem, Jesse. And that'll do it for another episode of Around the Nest, our weekly look around the Blue Jays organization right now in the full season affiliates. We'll start it up with the short season affiliates coming up shortly. We've got the draft. Uh, June 3rd through June the 5th, and then a couple of weeks later, Vancouver, Bluefield, Gulf Coast League, Dominican Summer League, they'll all get it going. We'll have ourselves a lot of fun. We'll let you know everything that's going on around the different affiliations. We've got big things in store, but right now we're just reaching the end of the month of May, one more week, and that'll be the final day in May. So next week we'll go through our Players of the Month. My name is Jesse Goldberg-Strassler. Thanks to the minor leaguer to Hayden Godfrey, to Pat Malacaro in Buffalo, Tyler Zickel in New Hampshire, Jim Tarabokia with the Dunedin Blue Jays. And big thanks to everybody who listens in, keeps us company, asking questions, etc. Bluebird banter. All of you out there on Twitter, we're at Around Nest. That'll do it. Until next week, we'll all enjoy the baseball.